I'm glad that you're here today. I really am. This is the last message in a very different series that we've done this month over uh, over a lot of tough subjects, subjects like uh, depression and addiction and last week, uh, worry and anxiety. Those things are not something that uh, that everybody loves to talk about, but those are things that almost everybody deals with from time to time. And we need to know what God's word says about it because out of all the suggestions and all the therapy and all the friends advice that you can get, I'm telling you, God's word is the one that doesn't change with the flow of time. Did you know that? It doesn't change. It holds strong for us. So we're going to, uh, I'm going to attempt today to dig into one of the toughest subjects I've ever spoke about from stage before, the subject of suicide. And if you have your orange bulletin uh, inside or some notes, and I would encourage you to, uh, to take some notes today for not yourself, for somebody else, maybe somebody at work, uh, somebody in your family. I have found over the years, I, w- I would love to say that out of a, you know, a room full of people, there's one or two in here that have ever struggled with suicide, that have uh, relatives or friends that have ever taken their life by suicide. But what happens as you get older, you realize that those stats aren't like that. It's just such a terrible thing in life that nobody buys the t-shirt for that. Very few people go to the rally for that. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's one of the most horrific things that we go through in life. And believe it or not, when you, when you look at statistics, we're all about statistics now in social media, right? I mean, everything online, the news, all the, everybody's throwing out statistics to prove their points. Well, I'm telling you, when you look at suicide, suicide statistics, they can be overwhelming. I'm going to read you a few of them just to show you how important it is that we cover a subject like this when we're talking about God's power to lead us out of darkness. Listen, listen to some of these things. Suicide is the 10th leading cause of death in the United States. Think about all the things that cause death. Suicide is number 10. And among certain age groups, a age group we're going to talk about, it's number four. Out of everything, out of all the cancers and accidents and all that, suicide, taking your own life. Men die by suicide three and a half times more than women. And it is highest in middle-aged white men between 45 and 65. Have you ever heard of a midlife crisis? We joke about it when the guy that's 50 runs out and buys a vet. But it's real. It's real in life. And these statistics show that. Listen to this. In 2016, just over 44,000 Americans died by suicide. When you consider that there was under 15,000 killed by guns and murdered by guns, to say that three times that was, was killed by themselves, was taking their own life, is astounding. Think about all the talk about guns right now. Think about how much time, how much website page territory that it takes up yet three times that take their own life elbow your neighbor said we need to talk about this today there will be an average of 120 suicides every day this year throughout this entire year 22 of those which i think is an incredible statistic are our military veterans out of that 120 22 of them will be vets A person dies by suicide out of that 120 about every 15 minutes in the U.S. alone. And if you're wondering about Oklahoma, we rank eighth out of all the states. We rank eighth and we're 28th in population. 
We have about 20 suicides a year in Oklahoma alone. It's a subject we need to talk about. This may not be the biggest, amen, pastor, preach it message we do all year long. But I hope and I pray that we give a little bit of nuggets, a little wisdom, and that through that, through talking about it and forcing ourselves into the subject, that God would speak to your heart today and encourage you and remind you that he's got a plan for you, that you are not alone, just like the song reminds us, you're not alone, he is here with us. And that if it's not for you, that sometime in your life, Sometimes your neighbor, your buddy, your co-worker, your family member, maybe yourself. In the middle of that, God's spirit will remind you, hey, this is not my plan for your life. Suicide is not God's plan for your life. Amen? Let me say this. In your notes are are some fill-in-the-blanks. There's some uh, information that we're going to work with. But right at the top is an 800 number. And I put that in there because out of a room this size filled with this many people, there may be somebody in this room right now that's struggling with suicide, that's going through an incredible time in your life, and you have contemplated pulling the cord, stopping the ride. I'm done. I'm over with. And I want to tell you, there are, at, at, on that number, that's the suicide hotline, the National American Suicide Hotline, there are people that are trained to give you the information you need, to encourage you, to talk you through that. And it's very important for me that I give you all kinds of resources today, not just God's word, but something that when you're encouraged and you leave here, that you have a tool that you can grab a hold of and help dig yourself out of it. Amen. And for, for everyone watching online, I just want to say somebody may watch this next week or next month. And I want to tell you that this is for you also take a moment Call that number. It's free. It's 24 hours a day. And you're able to connect with somebody that will help encourage you and walk you through this time in your life. Let me, let me say this, a couple of things that, uh, that I've written down for those that are struggling currently or recently with suicide. Realize a couple of things. Realize that you're not going to stay in this depth of pain forever. It's not going to be forever. It's going to be for a period of time, and you're going to move out of it. The emotions that go with that are not permanent. Can somebody say amen? They're not permanent. And, and emotions, as big as they are and as painful as it can be, they will come like waves. And if you can realize that today, if we can kind of walk through this together, realizing that these emotions are going to come like waves. When they come, realize I'm going to get through this and move on because this is just temporary. It's going to get better. And what else I would say is that since these are temporary emotions, in the middle of those emotions, at the top of that swell, that wave of emotions, don't make permanent decisions with temporary emotions. Because this, this is a decision that you're making because you want it to stop. I totally understand that. But it will get better. These emotions will subside. And you can move through it with a non-permanent decision, don't pull the cord. Don't take your life. Let me say this. Something to remember when you feel this way, when you get to the place and you say, you know what, it's, I may take my own life. I want to encourage you to tell somebody else, whether it's an 800 number that we, that we gave you the suicide hotline, or if it's a friend 
or a coworker or a family member, call up to the church, call your pastor and say, hey, or student pastor, whoever that is, and say, here's what I'm struggling with. Can you help me through this? And I want to tell you, as, as your pastor, you're not going to be the first call. I've had that call before, and I'll walk with you through it. Does that sound like a deal? Here's what's great about that also. The song that we sang earlier reminds us, Scripture reminds us, God said, I'm not going to leave you. In the middle of your worst pain in life, when it peaks out, when you thought this was your peak and your pain's here emotionally, God said, I'm willing to walk through that step by step with you. I'm willing to carry you through it. In fact, Scripture tells us when in the middle of our weakness, in the middle of our weakness, at our weakest point, you know what it says? His strength is made perfect. Let me just point out something really quick. Do you know that God doesn't get stronger or weaker? His strength is consistent. So what does that scripture mean when it says that in our weakness, his strength is made perfect? What happens is you realize that when you're out of strength, you realize that when there is no more going on, you don't want to go on. You realize in a relationship with Christ that it's God that's getting me through this. It's all his strength. He's walking me through. He's helping me get through it. Now, let me, in the middle of this today, let me address one quick question. Because every time this subject comes up, every single time, every time, we've talked about it 15 times in the office this week, people ask this question. You know what the question is about suicide? If you commit suicide, do you go straight to hell? Is that the unforgivable sin? Can you still get into heaven, a version of that? And let me just tell you, let me tell you from a, from a very simple pastor's standpoint. You know what I do when I have questions that are very difficult and very hard to get through, sometimes awkward, sometimes weird? I go to God's word. First and foremost, I go to God's word. It's great to go to the internet and look up what other pastors say. But I'm telling you, I go to God's word and see what it says. Because, listen, if it, if it says something I don't like, but it says it in God's word... I can start growing toward that. Does that make sense? But if it also says something encouraging that I don't feel like I deserve in a good way and it's in God's word, I can start growing toward that. And let me say this. Nowhere from the first chapter of Genesis to the last chapter of Revelation, or I'll switch that since y'all are backwards. How about Genesis over here, Revelation's over here. Nowhere in God's word does it say if you take your life, you can't get into heaven. Nowhere. Nowhere does it allude to that. Nowhere does it say if you harm yourself, you get a fast, you know, FedEx, two-day shipping straight to hell. Nowhere does it say that. People will extrude out of the Ten Commandments where it says, you shall not murder. They will extrude. Then if you do murder, then you go straight to hell. Well, let me ask you this. How many of those Ten Commandments have you already broke? I'm serious. If we're going to, we're talking serious talk this morning. I think I've broken them all. Is that okay to confess? Everybody's just turning off their internet right now. Just click. I'm not watching this guy. I think I've broken them all. And, and there's 613 in the Old Testament. And you know what? As I read those, I go, ow, 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 all the way through them. You know what my hope is? That even in my sin, that God's grace just like his word says, is sufficient. I've committed my life to him. And after you commit your life to him, if then if you're perfect, then why are we doing this? Right? Christ himself said, while you're in this world, you're going to have trouble. The world's broke. You're going to have trouble. 
But take heart, be encouraged, learn from me. I overcame it, so can you. Together with God, we can make it through this. Is that good? Everybody neighbor say, I'm liking it so far. And let me say this, through our pain and through our struggle, through situations that we made dumb choices or that others made dumb choices and got us into it. Because there's both in this world. And then there's just the good old bad luck that happens. Listen to Romans 8. If you have uh, your your, your version open, read this with me. If not, read it on the screen. Listen to what he says about all of these circumstances we're talking about. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him who, and who have been called according to his purpose. If you're a believer in Christ, we know this. We know because with world history, with what God says, with all of these things working together, we know that God uses every circumstance in your life and tries to work it to the good of you. Amen? So trust that in those high points when those, the, the pain is at its highest, the emotions are at their roughest. Trust and believe that, you know what, God, I don't understand it right now. I don't even know if I agree with it right now. But I am going to step out and I'm going to trust that even in this, even in this, you can use this for good. Amen? You read in, you read in Scripture, in the Old Testament, you read about when Joseph, Joseph, he was loved, he had... Great big family. He was loved by his dad, yet his brothers were jealous. And the short version of that, which nobody in here I don't think has had to deal with, Joseph's brothers sell him to a caravan of slave traders as they come by. Joseph was sold into slavery. Right? Look at your neighbor and say, that ain't so bad. He was sold into slavery. He ends up being bought by Potiphar. I'm going quick through this version of the story. He ends up being bought by Potiphar. He serves faithfully in Potiphar's house until God blesses him. And then he becomes the head of all the slaves in Potiphar's house, the governor. He becomes the, sl- the head of all the slaves. And then you know what happens? Potiphar's wife, while Potiphar's out of town, she wants to kiss him. She wants to have an affair with Joseph. And he says, no, he stands his ground. He doesn't sin. And guess how he's rewarded? She lies about him, said that he tried to rape her. They throw him in prison. And let me just tell you, there's a high spot. Your dad loves you, Joseph. Your family loves you. Oh, except for your brothers. They sell you into slavery. Low spot, extreme pain, going to a foreign land, four or 500 miles away with a language you don't understand, with a culture you don't understand, but you get a chance to serve. So what happens? You start serving and you're faithful to God still in the middle of that. And you know how you're rewarded for that faithfulness? Circumstances, they lie about you. People lie about you. You end up in prison one more time and are there is in prison for years. But he stays faithful. He believes in Romans 8. He believes that through all of this, God can work his will in my life. Absolutely. He ends up interpreting some dreams for some other prisoners. Those prisoners just happen to work for the emperor, for the Caesar, for the ruler, the king. When they get out, the king has some dreams he needs interpreted. They tell him about Joseph. They invite Joseph out. Joseph interprets the dreams, end up saving Egypt from drought. And in return, the surrounding countries where his family lives, he ends up saving them. 
And when they're standing in front of him, 17 years later, he's not a boy anymore. He's a man that's been on highs and lows of this world over and over and over while he stayed faithful to God and believed, even though he couldn't see it. He believed that God was working on his behalf. When his family stood in front of them begging for food because their country was dying, you know what Joseph said? His brothers apologized. His brothers were freaking out. No telling what they thought was fixing to happen to them. And Joseph said, it's okay. Because what you meant for evil, you understand that what people meant, what the decisions that were made was for evil, God used for the saving of millions of lives. You understand that? Like in the middle of his darkness, he believed, Romans 8, that God is working in my pain, in my prison, in the lies, and all of these things, God is working to bring about his will in my life. That's what trust is, not just on the good days. And let me tell you this, how, how can we help? Let's get something real practical, probably for most of us in this room. How can we help somebody that's struggling with that? Let me give you a couple of pointers on that, and then I want to finish with a story. Number one is this, that you can take them serious. When I was in eighth grade in Denver City, Texas, there was a kid that over and over and over and over, about every two or three months, this kid would go off on a tangent and he would leave and he would tell all of his friends he was going to commit suicide. And it became the boy who cried wolf. It became everybody freaked out. We all went looking for him the first couple of times. And the next couple of times, just a few people went looking for him. And it happened to be the time when nobody went looking for him that he said, okay, that's it. They, they think I'm lying. They think I'm not telling the truth. And I remember in his brown Trans Am, him committing suicide because nobody took him serious anymore. And I've dealt with that. Not, not that it was my fault, but I've thought about that for years and years going, you know, what if it took 20 times? What if at the 20th time he got over the hump? He actually believed what we were telling him. He actually grabbed a hold of what we were telling him. It has sure been worth another six or eight times. I want to encourage you. To take those people, friends, relatives, take them serious. Because it's a great opportunity to do the next thing is to tell them. All right? Take them serious and then tell them. Tell them you're sympathetic. Tell them you care about them. Tell them that you're going to help them with whatever they need. I'm trying to pick from... Things that I have learned dealing with these situations over the years. Tell them that you'll walk with them through it. Well, I don't know what to do next. I'll sit with you while we call the 800 number. I'll sit with you while we call pastor. I'll sit with you while we call our small group leader. I'll I'll be here with you. I'll call them. I'll tell them what's going on. I'll walk you through it. We'll go over there together. I'll help you through this. Because if you understand your relationship with God, you can help them understand their relationship with God. You can get them past this opportunity in their life, this terrible spot in their life. So take them serious, first of all. That's the way you get into their life. It's the way you help them. And then tell them, I'm here for you. I'll be with you. I'll walk with you through through this with you. I'll help you. We'll go together. Tell them those things. Let them know that they're not alone. Amen? I always feel like if Jesus thought it was so important for him to tell us we're not alone, Maybe when people go through tough times, it's really important for us to tell them, you're not alone. I'm here for you. I'm here for you. And then the third one is this, to pray for them. 
I could probably read all afternoon on the scriptures talking about tearing down the strongholds of darkness, diffusing anything that sets itself up, tears down anything that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. But you know, a scripture that I put in your notes today that I want you to think about when you pray for those that are struggling with taking their own lives is this Psalm 147, 3. And it says this, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He does it. He does it. God fixes them, right? God fixes the heart, the emotions that's broke, that's hurt, that's in pain. And he binds them up. He stitches them. He strengthens them up when they're weak, when they're strong. And that's what I want you to pray. I want you to pray, God, I'm going to do all I can do. But I'm praying like it all depends on you. I want you to help them. I want you to show them truth. Listen, I wish that, that I didn't have this story. A lot of you have heard my testimony coming through, you know, didn't grow up in a Christian home at 13 or 14, wanted to be this Navy SEAL. And I started training and a drill sergeant moved across the hall from us in our apartments. And I just thought that was God's sign that I was going to be a Navy SEAL. And for a couple of reasons, I couldn't, be, I couldn't try out for the SEALs. And at, at 18, when I had not drank, I had not had sex or anything, trying to protect that body and had that goal and that vision in life. At 18, when I was turned down, I just went off the deep end. I didn't, didn't grow up in a Christian home, nothing like that. But all of that time watching those Navy SEAL videos. Y'all remember the big the big VHS tapes we used to have? Y'all, y'all have to look up a VCR. Y'all look that up. It's like a cassette tape, but ginormous. And I had three or four of them. I'd buy one a couple of times a year and had these Navy SEAL basic training. It was called It's called BUDS that they do. And uh, where they train, they have a big brass bell on that compound somewhere. And so... It, 4.30 in the morning, they wake you up and you're doing all kinds of crazy exercise. I'd watch that. And I'd go outside and imitate that. I'd learn those three, whatever they were doing. And then I, man, they would go do push-ups in the sand, you know, on the coast with the cold water. And I would literally go to Foss Lake and I would do push-ups in the sand. I'm, I'm a 16-year-old Navy SEAL. You know, I'm just doing push-ups and people are looking like, what is this nerd? You know, I would get in the, the surf like what the Navy SEAL guys would do, and they would do sit-ups while it was cold. You know, and the water is going up your nose. They would, it would teach them to get over just outward pain and outward discomfort and all that. But here's the thing. In the middle of that courtyard where they were doing all this, all this training and all this testing for these guys, six months, six months for Navy SEAL training. In the middle of it, there's a big brass bell about this big. And any time... You don't have to ask permission. You don't have to talk to anybody. And anytime it gets too tough, all you have to do is walk over it, take that bell and go ding, and you're done. You quit the Navy SEALs and you can walk off. And they have an attrition rate of 80%. That means if 100 guys go into this basic training camp, 80 of them are quitting. That's why they're so elite. 20% get in. And I would watch those guys and I would watch, they would, they would, one of the videos was an entire class over six months and they cut it up into about two hours for this, for this video to show you all the different training they do and all this stuff. And the whole time that guy was going, he was squirting them with water and they're doing push-ups and setups and they're holding logs up and all this stuff. And he's squirting them in the face with this ocean water. He's going, you want to quit? Don't you want to quit? You just want to quit. Why don't you go ring that bell, sissy? Why don't you go ring that bell? There's other branches of the military to go into. I mean, just all kinds of trash talk, you know, squirting them in the face, squirting their buddies, all that kind of stuff. 
I watched those videos for years and years and years, thought, thought that I was it, you know, one of those guys. And yet when I hit 18 and wasn't, wasn't able to go, my goals just went out the window and I didn't know how to do it. I wasn't raised with the tools mentally, emotionally to deal with those things. Totally went off the deep end, did everything in the next month, everything. And I'm just going to leave it at that. Okay. Everything. And for the next five or six years, everything. And can I tell you that through those times, if you're going to live that way, you're going to face some dark times. Multiple times through, through those five or six years, it'd be bad. I'd be in trouble with something or in a relationship that broke up or whatever it was. And multiple times, I told our staff this this week, multiple times, I'd get my pistol out. I'd put hollow points in it so that there's no second shot. And I would put it in every position. And I'd cry and I'd be so mad. And I'd call myself the same names that the Navy SEALs were like calling. I want you pull the trigger, you sissy. I, I know y'all just think I'm totally psycho after hearing this. But let me just say, when you get dark places, you get weird. You're not thinking right. You're not acting right. You've given up on all the things you've tested. It didn't work. And you're just... You're just winging it. And if you don't have a relationship with Christ, if you don't have the hope of Jesus in your life. And I can remember, I can remember a speech that I heard at the end of that, that tape where they're showing the whole six month training and the guys that graduated and he's going, all those other guys are watching you. All those other guys are at home and they're watching or they're sitting back here with their families and they're watching you because you didn't ring the bell. Was it any tougher on you than anybody else? No. Everybody interprets it their way, but it's the same situation. And even scripture tells us that you've not been through anything that a million other people haven't been through. And what I'm here to tell you today to encourage you is don't ring the bell. Nobody in that graduating class ever was sitting there and they said, all right, everybody stand your Navy says And the guy goes, I think I'm gonna ring the bell now. Nobody ever did that ever. Because they got through the rough time, that big swell of pain and discomfort and rough, knowing that if I stick it out, it's going to pass and better times are coming. And can I tell you that sitting on my little bed in Arapahoe, Oklahoma, my second or third year of college with my little black pistol, me screaming and hollering, I said, all of that that was going on, you guarantee Satan wanted me to end it right there. Because he knows about potential. I couldn't see days like today when I get to speak to two or 300 people. When I get to tell them that God's got more for you than even we understand. That God wants to use your life and your gifts to touch other people's lives, to serve other people. That he wants a relationship with you. No matter how bad you are, he still wants a relationship with you. He proved that by giving his life when you were really bad. You understand all of those things? If you ever come to the place when you go, I'm just done. I'm, I'm tired of it. Tell yourself, I'm not ringing the bell. Because Jesus said he's here with me. He said he's not going to leave me alone. And even when I'm weak, which I'm weak right now, even when I'm weak, he's going to be strong. Amen? He's going to give me enough strength to get through this so I don't have to ring the bell, so I don't have to drop out, so I don't have to go somewhere else. I can make it through this. Oh man, I wish that sitting on that little bed, that little twin bed that I had, I wish that the 47-year-old could go back and talk to the 21-year-old. I'd probably shot him though if he showed up in my room, you know, just shot him. 
I wish that I could go back and go, hey, man, let me just tell you what the next 20 years look like. God's got a lot of great things for you. Are you going to go through pain? Oh, yeah. I can tell you some of the really bad, trying emotionally, physically, all these different things you're going to go through. But at least when you hit your 30s and your 40s, you realize, oh, this too shall pass. And all that pain pales in comparison to the rewards of life. Especially when I have a relationship with God. Especially when I have the hope of Christ in my life. I want to encourage you today, whether it's you, somebody you know, don't ring the bell. Trust that God is with you. Trust that he uses all things, all things for the good of you who trust him. Amen. Lord, I pray for everyone in this room right now. I pray that your spirit, your love, the things that come with that hope, purpose. I pray for all of those things right now in this room. If there's anyone in this room that's struggling with taking their life, with it being too much, contemplating ringing that bell and just walking away, just finishing it. Lord, I pray that today hearing your words would encourage them. I pray that today hearing that they're not alone, that you're with them. They have a church family that's with them. They have pastors and small group leaders that are with them would be enough to get them through the struggle that they're going through. I pray that your spirit would encourage them right now, right where they sit, that they would walk out of this place today totally believing that you're with them, that you have a plan for their life, that you have a purpose for their life, that you're going to work things out. If they keep trusting you, you're going to work them all together so that they end up being part of a great story of your grace and your power and your mercy in their lives. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for not giving up on us. Help us to never give up on what you're doing in us. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name. Amen. I'm going to leave you with one scripture. And then uh, Jenny will come up. In uh, Philippians chapter 4, Paul's talking about a little of his testimony. Paul's talking about, listen, man, I know what you're, whatever excuse you come up with, Paul says, I've been starving where I've not had enough food. I've been well fed. I've been lonely. I've had plenty of friends. He goes through all of these contrasting scenarios. And then he says that. Here's what I figured out. That I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength to do all things. Amen. It's not us. It is him. If you'll trust in him, he'll give you the strength to get through it all. God bless.